we're launching into our, our week of prayer. And this is something that we've been doing now for the past, um, I think, five or six years, uh, taking the, a, a week out of the first month of the year to just really focus on prayer. And this is, this is an important week uh, at our church. And so I want to encourage each and every one of you to participate in this week of prayer. There are a number of ways to do that. Uh, we we want to make it as accessible uh, to people as possible. But, you know, regardless of how many times you can make it over to the various prayer meetings that we have, uh, just remember wherever you're at and whatever you're doing, just to take some time and to pray this week. And, and even if you can get you know, on the phone with some friends or Skype them or, you know, just uh, however is going to be the best way for you to do it. The important thing is that we do it, that we take advantage of this amazing uh, privilege we have. Now, I, I don't think that I need to emphasize too much the fact that we are living in desperate times the, these are times that are really, um, in some ways, uh, unprecedented. I mean, there are things happening in the world and in the culture that just literally have never really happened before. And they're not good things. They're, they're things that are very, very um, troublesome, to say the least. So as we're living in these desperate times, I think so often we feel like there, there's nothing that we can do about so much of this stuff. You know, you see various forms of evil that uh, enter into the culture and start to dominate the, the thinking and the activity of people. And to me anyway, sometimes I'm just, I just marvel, like how, how did this even get any traction? How did anybody ever think that this was... Um, a legitimate way to, to view things. You know, certain philosophies that, that permeate the culture that end up in ideas and behaviors and things. And uh, so I know for myself, I look at it a lot of times and I just feel so powerless. What can I do? Well, we can do something. And we, we, you know, we can probably do a number of things, but, but the the most important thing that we can do is avail ourselves of this great uh, opportunity, this great privilege that God has given to us, this privilege of prayer. What we need in our nation and really what, what we need around the world more than anything is a mighty move of God's spirit. That's really what we need. When we look at uh, the, the condition around us in the culture, we think, no, Lord, how could this be remedied? How could this, how could this change? How could the, these trends and things be reversed? And the answer is a move of God's spirit could solve so many of these things. Because when the spirit of God moves, people come to faith in Christ. And when people come to faith in Christ, their life changes, their priorities change, their passions change and all that. So we need 
a mighty move of God's Spirit, and historically, these great moves of the Spirit have often been preceded by seasons of prayer. So one of the things that we're gonna be focusing in on prayer for this week is for this very thing. God, move by your Spirit. God, work among us as your people, and Lord, work out from among us into society. Uh, someone wrote this years ago, what the church needs today is not more or better machinery, not new organizations or more and novel methods, but men and women of prayer. Prayer is more important than organization, more powerful than armies, more influential than wealth, and mightier than all learning. Prayer makes the church invincible. I think that that is pretty true, what was stated there. That this is the great need of the hour. This is always a great need in the church. So today we're going to look at three things. We're gonna look at the purpose of prayer, the power of prayer, the promise of prayer, and then at the, at the very end, I just wanna give you some basic um, guidelines or, or kind of in, instructions on how you might uh, spend this week of prayer. So first of all, though, the purpose of prayer. What, what is the purpose of prayer? People ask that. Sometimes people say, well, if God knows everything and he's going to do what he's going to do, why do we even pray? Well, the simple answer is we pray because God told us to pray. We don't need to get all philosophical about it and try to figure out like, well, if this is that and that happens and God does, then, well, God said to pray. And many times over, he has exhorted us to pray. But I, I think there are four things that, that we could say uh, are the purpose in prayer. Number one, to bring us into deeper communion with God. Praying, you're connecting with God, right? That's what's happening. And how often do we really do that in the insanity of the busyness of the lives that we live today. So it's a great opportunity to go deeper in communion with God. Uh, God invites us into prayer that we might commune with him. Secondly, prayer, the purpose of prayer is to align us with the will of God. So as we pray, we come into alignment with God's will. And we believe that God has a will. We believe that he has a plan, a purpose for our lives personally, for our loved ones, for our community of believers, for the, the gospel in the world. God has a purpose for all of those things. He has a will. And so prayer brings us into alignment with that. Thirdly, prayer allows us into the work of God. As we pray, we are actually engaging in the work of God. See, prayer is not something that we do merely uh, for the work of God. Prayer is the work of God. It is a vital part of the work of God. So we're, we enter into that laboring together with the Lord through prayer. And then fourthly, the purpose of prayer is to advance the will of God. And remember, we, 
we read that this morning together. Um, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we pray, we are advancing the will of God in the world. So those four things are no doubt others, but we'll leave it at that. The purpose of prayer. Secondly, the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Now, there are many examples that we could uh, draw from talking about the power of prayer. I want to read to you a quote that if anybody has ever heard me teach on prayer, uh, I, I usually quote um, this uh, early a church writer, because he's describing what was experienced by the early believers in the church through prayer. And one of the, the really significant things is that during this time in the history of the church, the church didn't have uh, any political clout necessarily. The church didn't have uh, any kind of um, prominent standing in society. Uh, the church was uh, a minority, a group of people relatively powerless and mostly despised by the powers. And so here's the quote. The potency of prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions, hushed anarchy to rest, extinguished wars, appeased the elements, expelled demons, burst the chains of death, expanded the gates of heaven, alleviated disease, repelled frauds, rescued cities from destruction. Prayer is an all-efficient armory, a treasure undiminished, a mind which is never exhausted, a sky unclouded, a heaven unruffled by the storm. It is the root, the fountain, the mother of a thousand blessings." That, that is just such an amazing statement because it's describing the experience of the believers in regard to prayer and the things that they saw prayer do. Now, I, I want to just walk through a few of these for a couple minutes here, but let's think about them. It says here, subdue the strength of fire. Now, we're, we're all familiar with the destructive power of of fires, wildfires. We've had our own experiences with them here in our state, here in California. More recently, we have seen these unbelievable fires that have uh, consumed a million and a half acres of uh, land in Australia. Now, you also probably know that today, where just maybe a month ago at the most, maybe even three weeks ago, these fires were just completely out of control, uncontainable. Uh, today, they're, they're fairly well contained today. Now, in case you don't know this, it is the middle of summer in Australia. You know, they're in the Southern Hemisphere, so it, winter for us is summer for them. Uh, I've been to Australia this time of the year, and it is summer, it is hot, it's 100 degrees a lot of times. Now, what has happened? Well, 
these fires are raging, they're out of control, there's no way to contain them. And then suddenly these storms start coming through and it begins to rain. And now it's rained so much in Queensland that they're actually having flash floods. But all of that to say, two things. Number one, um, it doesn't generally rain like this in the middle of summer. I mean, can you think of any extended rainstorms that we ever have during uh, July, August, September? We really don't, neither do they. But they are having them. Could it be that this is the answer to millions of people's prayers? Because I know millions of people have been praying. I know Christians all over the world have been praying for that situation in Australia. And we certainly have been doing that. And so I look at that and I think that, now of course the secular person, the skeptic, or you know, however they wanna refer to themselves, they would just dismiss that. Oh, that's ridiculous, you know, this has nothing to do with God. Uh, this is just nature, this is just the way it goes. Well, you could think that if you want. Um, but I think we could also legitimately and even more legitimately, uh, I think we could attribute this to prayer. Because just as in those early centuries, this was one of the things that uh, was absolutely identified as um, the effect of prayer, subduing the strength of fire, I think that that is happening today in different places. And so, subduing the strength of fire. Secondly, it says hushed anarchy. Now, you know what anarchy is, right? Anarchy is when there's no authority, there's no government, uh, and everybody's just doing what they wanna do, and um, there's no restraint. Now, that is a form of anarchy, but the, the, the basic idea behind anarchy is an absence or denial of any authority or established order. You know, we're living in a time of, of anarchy to some extent. And it's not necessarily at this point, although it maybe is a little bit, and it certainly is in some places, it, it's not the lack of governmental authority. It is in some places. But it's more uh, an absolute rejection and rebellion against God's authority. And, and this is what we're seeing today. So in one sense, we are living in a time of anarchy where the authority of God, where the way of God, where the, the commandments of God are being completely dismissed, just completely rejected. You know, it, it is astounding to me that in the, let's just say the... Um, the abortion debate, um, that, that it's come to the point where it's, it's like the gloves are off and, and people are just expressing, uh, you know, there, there's, there's nothing veiled anymore. There's, there's nothing hidden. It's just outright, bold, um, we're murdering babies and we don't care. Or these ridiculous, um, 
statements or phrases trying to, to um, rename what's going on as something like uh, healthcare. Abortion is healthcare. Bernie Sanders said that this past week. And, and so, but, th- but that's just an idea. There are, there are other things as well. But it's this, this anarchy. So what do, what do we do about this? How do, how do we see the tide turned? How do we see any kind of a change happen here? Well, I think we can safely say that apart from prayer, we won't see any change. Now, there, there might be other factors that will work into it, but unless we pray, there will be no change. Because again, what's the root of the problem? The root of the problem is this revolt against the rule of God. And what's the solution to the problem? People repenting and, and humbling themselves before God and turning their lives over to him. So anarchy has been hushed in the past and it can be hushed in the present as well through prayer. And then just a few other things, extinguished wars, expelled demons, alleviated disease. All of these things are, are current issues. My point is simply this, repelled frauds, rescued cities, these are things that we pray about. And we should never think that, oh, well, why bother to pray about that? It, the very, this is the very thing we should do, is pray about these things. You know, back in the Second World War, there were uh, Christians, no doubt, everywhere who were praying about that whole situation, but there, there were a group of believers in Britain who kept a record of the specific things that they prayed for and ways they saw God answer prayer. Now, some of you, like me, perhaps, saw the movie Dunkirk a few years ago that came out, and that was reminding us of of that event back during the Second World War where the whole uh, British military was, was pretty much on the verge of being wiped out Uh, but they were rescued by all of these boats that came from England to the coast of France. And um, what the movie didn't really mention, but what many, even historians, stated was that it was a miraculous deliverance, that the weather change was miraculous, and that the, the, the fact that, um, you know, something like 400,000 troops were evacuated when they thought that maybe they could get a few thousand out of there. So events like that, Christians prayed about these things, wrote them down, and then pointed to those answers to prayer. So this is what we do. This is what the people of God do. We pray about these things. And again, the skeptics would say, well, why bother? And we hear that today. We sometimes, you know, when, when there's some kind of a tragedy and anybody posts maybe on social media, oh, we're praying about that, and the skeptics mock. 
they criticize, oh, don't waste your time, so forth. But let's, let's not listen to that. Let's listen to the saints. Let's listen to the testimony of the people of God. And let's follow that example. So there's power in prayer. And then thirdly, you know, there are promises. We're given promises regarding prayer. We're not just told to pray, but we're told to pray and then promise that certain outcomes will result from our prayer. One that's fairly well known by many is the one that we find in um, First Chronicles or Second Chronicles? Yeah, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. My I wrote First Chronicles. That's why I was a little confused there. But it is Second Chronicles, and it says this: If my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Wow! What an amazing promise. If it's a conditional promise, if my people, who are my people? Well, my people are us. We're the people of God. This, this passage has oftentimes been used in reference to the country generally, the United States, uh, but it, that's really not accurate because we, we can't say that, um, you know, it, the United States is not like Israel was. Israel was a theocracy. The United States has never been that. So it's, it's, it's more accurate to understand that this is directed toward the people of God. We, the church, are the people of God. And so, what are we called to do? Humble ourselves, pray, and seek the Lord. And his promise, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. So we have this, this um, promise that is given to us. Jeremiah 33, verse three, God says this. The Lord who made the earth, the Lord who forms it to establish it, the Lord is his name, says this. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and incomprehensible things you do not know. Wow. Call to me and I will answer you, and I will show you great and incomprehensible things. I, you know, there's certain things we might look at that, and, and just the thought of, of seeing it rectified or seeing it remedied or seeing it solved, it's just incomprehensible. I don't even know how that could happen. Well, God says, I will show you incomprehensible things, things that you do not know. What a great great promise. And then Jesus gave us this amazing promise in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11, it's recorded, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? 
Wow. Ask, seek, knock. And the, the tenses in the original language are continuous. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. You know, recently, um, Cheryl and I, this is well, a couple months ago, we, we did a radio program with um, Fern Nichols, who's the head of um, Moms in Prayer. Is that what it's called? Is that right? Cheryl, where are you? Help me out. Moms in Prayer. And um, I remember as we were talking to her, doing this interview with her, uh, and she's explaining this ministry of, of getting, you know, getting mothers in prayer, grandmothers in prayer, and praying for, of course, your children and praying for your grandchildren, but praying for public schools and, and you know, the, the teachers and the students and all of that. And I just remember as I was listening to Fern just share her passion for this, I just thought, thank you, Lord. This is one of the greatest things. Imaginable that, that we have these women that are committed to praying for their children and grandchildren and to praying specifically for what's happening on the public school campuses. You know, this is, this is how we fight that battle. This is how we wage that war. This is how we see victory. I don't know if you realize this or not, but you know, the state of California, the, the, um, government of the state is on somewhat of a mission to, to really um, harm Christian education. It was just not that long ago, just a little over a year ago, that uh, there were threats coming from our legislators that uh, this whole thing about Christian higher education, this had to do with higher education, that uh, you, know, you couldn't really have a Christian university because you couldn't have any kind of discriminatory uh, standards. In other words, when it came to LGBT rights and things like that, you just had to uh, open your doors and whatever people, however they identified or whatever they wanted to do, you have to just get on board with that. Uh, if an atheist uh, comes and says, I'd like to be the president of your school, you can't discriminate against them. You, if they're qualified, you'd actually have to hire them to lead your Christian uh, university. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that's going on. And then we know all the way down to the youngest ages, there's an agenda to uh, indoctrinate. And this is the thing that just gets me so worked up. Adults, wicked adults, want to indoctrinate little children in all the perversions of their own heart and mind. And they wanna use the state to enforce it. How do we deal with that? Thank God for moms in prayer, grandmas in prayer, dads in prayer, grandpas in prayer, everybody in prayer. This is the kind of stuff. This is, this is real stuff. And this is the way we fight. You know, there's that song that we sing sometimes. This is how I fight my battles. How do we fight our battles? Well, we, we fight them on our knees. We fight them through prayer. 
And through prayer, God might show us other ways to fight them as well. But we don't skip prayer. We don't start somewhere else. We must start there. And we have these promises. And so here we are, this final week of January 2020, and we as a congregation, we're committing ourselves to prayer. So why do we do this week of prayer and fasting? Well, we do this because we believe that prayer is, it does have a purpose, it is powerful, that there are promises. We believe that as a church, we want to connect with the Lord. And I love to do it at the first of the year because I feel like it, it just sort of, you know, paves the way for the days ahead. It prepares us for the things that God has in store for us. It prepares us for the work that we will engage in in this year. And to be able to set aside the time and to, and to collectively pray together, what a beautiful thing. And of course, we're also talking about fasting. Now, we have put out the schedule. Everybody received that schedule. So we're going to be praying starting tonight. We'll be right here at seven. And we're, we're gonna pray for an hour uh, each time we're together. I think the, the midday prayer is a little bit longer just because we, we realize people will come and go. Um, so I think we're going from like 11.30 to one. So, you know, it's not like you have to be there the whole time, uh, especially at lunchtime or in the morning on your way to work. If you can stop in for 10, 15 minutes or something like that. We, we just want to have that opportunity uh, to pray together. And then during the evenings, there, there will be no services going on throughout the week except the prayer meeting in the fellowship hall. So we, we've set out these times for prayer and we're inviting you to come as the people of God, as members of this community of faith to come and to join with us. Now, fasting, what about fasting? Um, first of all, fasting is uh, optional. We're not, well, everything's optional. I mean, we're not forcing anybody to do anything, but we're strongly encouraging you to, to come for prayer. But, but fasting is, is optional. Now, and I say it's optional because, uh, you know, not, every, not everybody can do it. For some people, it's just, uh, it's just a, a bridge too far. I just can't do the fasting thing. And so I, I don't want anybody to be discouraged about prayer because they, they feel like I can't, really, I can't really do the fasting. So, okay, that's it, fine. If, you know, it, it's up to you. Fasting in scripture is not something that's imposed on us. It's something that people voluntarily take up. And there's different kinds of ways to fast. Um, you can do a partial fast. You can fast from certain types of things. Um, you know, I, I mean, obviously fasting generally has to do with food, um, but it doesn't have to do exclusively with food. 
It could just be other things that you say, you know, during this week, I'm not gonna be involved in that. I'm not gonna do that. Uh, I'm gonna dedicate. The idea is that I'm gonna take the time that I would normally uh, be using to, in some way, cater to or, or gratify my flesh, and I'm, I'm going to set that time aside to seek the Lord. So I can just give you an example. Cheryl and I have decided to do this. So we're just gonna do like a liquid fast. So mornings we're gonna do protein shake and water. Evenings we're gonna do broth. And, and that, that'll be our way of doing it. We both fasted a little bit over the years, so for us we, we're confident that we can, we can do that. Now, for, for some people, even that is like, well, I don't, I don't think I could do that. Oh, that's okay. Uh, some people are gonna do um, one meal a day. That's great too. Some people are gonna not have chocolate. <laughs> that's okay too. The point is, it's between you and the Lord. But there is something to this combination of prayer and fasting that I, that I think is powerful. And so for as many as, as feel like you want to take up the challenge, I want to encourage you to do it. You set the parameters for it, but, but just do it. And take advantage of, of that time to, again, just really focus. I mean, here we are, like we've already said, we're in the last, we're, we're already in the last month of the first, or the last week of the first month of the year. So we got 11 ahead of us. And it's like, you know, man, let's, let's kind of get ourselves calibrated for, for this year to come. Take an inventory, put the priorities in uh, spiritual things there at, at the top and, and just give, our, give ourselves this week to do this. And, and who knows, maybe from this, there'll even be prayer meetings that will develop and, and go on the whole year or, or maybe even longer. But I think we all understand the purpose, the power, the promises of prayer, how vitally important it is, and so, really, it just comes down to let's do it. Let's pray and see what God wants to do in the days ahead. Let's pray in faith and believe that God is going to work. He's going to quench the violence of fires. He, he's going to um, hush anarchy. He's going to deliver and he's going to bless and keep and heal and, and all of those kinds of things that the scripture tells us. One, one last thing in fasting. You know, over the years, what, what I have done occasionally is taken a, the fast and just used the fast as part of the prayer and just saying, Lord, um, this day of fasting is my prayer to you for this day. I might not get 
that many opportunities to, to get away by myself, to really you know, seek the Lord or to sit with a handful of people and cry out to God together. I, I, that might not happen, but this fast itself, Lord, may it just be a, a prayer offering to you for this day. God, he calls us to pray. He's given us the amazing privilege of prayer, and he promises to answer our prayers. So with that, let's go forward and let's pray this week. So Lord, help us. Thank you for a reminder today of the promises of prayer, the purpose, the power, those things, Lord. Just motivate us. Strengthen us for the week. And Lord, may we see direct answers to the many things that we will pray about this week. Lord, I want to pray for some of our pastoral staff who are um, in Europe this week and leading a conference with a number of European church leaders. Pray that you would bless them as they travel back and forth. Pray that they would uh, just sense your presence with them. And Lord, that you do a really sweet and a good work among them. And Lord, I pray for all of us as we enter into this week of prayer, that you would strengthen us for it, that you would give us the, uh, the power to do it, that you would give us clarity in our minds as we go to prayer. Lord, we know that prayer is part of warfare, so help us not to be discouraged, but help us to press through. And Lord, you know all the prayers that we're gonna pray. You already know them before we've even uttered them. And so in Jesus' name, would you, Lord, answer those prayers according to your will. Amen.